Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. The website is www.scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, today we're looking for some wisdom, some encouragement. We're going to be reading Psalm 82 and 83 today. Both are fairly short. Uh, and then we're going to look at a story out of Second Chronicles um, that kind of goes along with today's thinking and thought process. And uh, I think you're going to be very blessed by uh, today's episode. And you know, uh, the Psalm uh, uh, podcast that we do every Monday, uh, it's not one of the most highly listened to. And, uh, you know, it's it's these kind of shows where I like little nuggets of encouragement and truth to be uh, for people who are actually seeking uh, the truth um, and not just looking for headlines and, uh, you know, those kinds of things, but are, are really looking for a closer relationship with God. So I pray that you're blessed by uh, this work this morning. We're going to be reading from the King James Bible, Psalm 82 and 83. Let's start with these two psalms and uh, just kind of uh, examine these this morning. All right, let's begin. Psalm 82, verse 1. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long would ye judge unjustly? And accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, ye are gods. And all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit the nations. This psalm, just like the next one, really speaks, I think, to to just our generation. You know, we, uh, we live in a time where the judges of the earth the leaders of the earth, the mighty men of the earth. They don't judge rightly, do they? They don't defend the poor or the fatherless. There's no real justice. The fa- Verse 5 says, The foundations of the earth are out of course. You know, things are upside down. They're a mess. And God is saying, how long will you judge unjustly? How long will I tolerate this? And there's kind of two ways to look at it. The first way is probably the most common way to look at it, and it's how Matthew Henry looks at it. If you look at his uh, commentary, is that God is speaking to the magistrates, the, the, you know, the, the governors of the world. Uh, his commentary says this, magistrates are the mighty in authority for the public good. Magistrates are the ministers of God's providence for keeping up order and peace, and particularly in punishing evildoers and protecting those that do well. 
Good princes and good judges who mean well are under divine direction, and bad ones who mean ill are under divine restraint. The authority of God is to be submitted to, and those governors whom his providence places over us. But when justice is turned from what is right, no good can be expected. The evil actions of public persons are public mischiefs. It is hard for men to have honor put upon them and not be proud of it. But all the rulers of the earth shall die, and all their honor shall be laid in the dust. God governs the world. There is a righteous God to whom we may go, and on whom we may, we may depend. This also has respect to the kingdom of Messiah. Considering the state of affairs in the world, we have need to pray that the Lord Jesus would speedily rule over all the nations in truth, righteousness, and in peace. I like that last part. This is so true. He said, let me read that again. This also has respect to the kingdom of Messiah. Considering the state of affairs in the world, we need to pray that the Lord Jesus would speedily rule over all nations in truth, righteousness, and peace. And many of us are praying for that this morning, aren't we? Oh, that the Lord would come and rule with righteousness, rule with truth and peace. Because as the psalmist says here, they know not, neither do they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. Another way to look at this uh, is also from the perspective that there is principalities and powers and spiritual dark beings who rule over the world. It says, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods, little g. And so it could be speaking uh, to them. And that, and maybe that's why he says, you have, I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. Remember, the angels are called the B'nai Elohim, the ones who come down in, uh, in Genesis 6 and intermingled with women. Um, also the ones who uh, appear before God along with Satan in the book of Job, the sons of God. So verse 6 says, And I have said, You are gods, and all of you are the children of the Most High, but ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. So just another interesting perspective and a way to potentially see this. Alright, let's continue on. Psalm 83, and it's, just in a, it's continuing the same theme. You know, God, are you going to do anything about all this evil? Let's, let's take a look. Verse 1. Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, thy enemies make tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people, and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, Come, let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent, they are confederate against thee. The tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagranes and Gebal and Ammon and Amlak and the Philistines and the inhabitations of Tyre, Assur also is joined with them. They have Hopeland, the children of Lot, Selah. Do unto them as unto the Midianites, 
as to Syria, as is to Jabin, as is the brook of Kisan, which perished at Eddor. They became as dung for the earth. Make their nobles like Orab and like Zeb, yea, all the princes of Ziba and as Zum Zalmunan, who said, Let us take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. O oh my God, make them like a wheel, as the stubble before the wind, as the fire burneth a wood, and as a flame setteth the mountains on fire. So persecute them with thy tempest, and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame, let them seek thy name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish, that men may know that thou, whose name is Yehovah, art the Most High over all the earth. Alright, so at the beginning he's saying, God, please don't be silent about this anymore. Please don't keep it, please don't hold your peace about this anymore. Please do something about this. They're gathering around us. They're enclosing around us from everywhere. And he lists all these nations. and They have this mindset to destroy your people from amongst the earth. To root us out. That's exactly what's going on in the world today. It may, you know, when they do these things, they don't say it openly. We must destroy Christianity. Although, actually, they do say it openly. But you can see by their policies and by all that they're doing. You can see that in California, right now, they still are mandating that the church remain closed. Meanwhile, strip clubs and places of wickedness are allowed to be open. You see, there's this intent to destroy. And so he's saying they're around, and it's even worse than other places in the world for Christianity, as we've talked about many, many times on this podcast. But the psalmist is saying they're surrounding us from every corner. Please do something unto them. And then it ends with, Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish. You know, the scriptures talk about how they'll fall into their own traps, right? The snares that they have prepared for us, they'll be captured in them themselves. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. You know, one of the wonderful things about the King James Bible is they actually go out of their way to tell you what they think the translation of God's name is. And the King James translators, and you should research just these men. I have books on it, and uh, some of the best scholars the world could offer put the King James Bible together. I mean, we're talking people who were fluent in Hebrew, not people who studied Hebrew on YouTube and think that they know how to interpret all these things. There's so many of these people. YouTube prophets, they couldn't go to Israel and order a cheeseburger, but they think that they know that, that they've got it all sorted and they're the authority on all these things. These men were actually fluent in these languages. And they believed that the name of God was Yehovah. And in the King James Bible, there's a handful of places where they actually write it out and they don't say Lord. They actually put God's name there. And this is one of those places, Psalm 83. It ends with that the men may know that thou whose name alone is Jehovah art the most high over all the earth. 
I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this topic because I don't want us to stray from this mindset about God's people being surrounded and looking to God right now saying, please remember your people. But I will say this, that I, as many of you know, believe that the name of God is also Yehovah. And it's not based off emotion or any kind of logic or anything that I've come to through my own abilities. It's based on manuscript evidence. Um, actual manuscripts um, uh, and other actual pieces of evidence, not uh, my interpretation of language and those types of things. And in addition to that, the scholarly work on this subject uh, that was d- that's been done by Nehemia Gordon. You should look into it. Regardless of what you think about him or some of his others' view, his scholarly work is unprecedented, and so it is my opinion. Uh, that it is Jehovah, but again, this is not something I go to war over. I wasn't there. I didn't hear Abraham speak it or it be spoken to Moses or any of these things. So, uh, but that's my current thought. All right, let's keep this mindset of what's going on in the world, how we feel like we're surrounded by evil, and like the psalmist, we're crying out, saying, "Oh God." Keep not thou silence, hold not thy peace, and be not still. For lo, thy enemies make tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people, and consulted against thy hidden ones. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. I want to have a look there real quick before we wrap it up. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Now this is a story that was preached at a church this weekend um, that I was at Saturday night. The pastor preached on Chronicles chapter 20, and it just really, really spoke to me. And the sermon was about fear and about how God's people are not supposed to be afraid and kind of detaching from the world and and all these things. It's a great message. And uh, But I wanted to share the first part of this story with all of you because it goes along with this mindset of the Psalms. You know, both of these Psalms are dealing with the fact that there's injustice, that uh, they're closing in on God's people, but an acknowledgement that God is the Most High, that He is actually in control of all things and is the authority over all the nations. And so, with that in mind, Let's read this story from Second Chronicles, which is a story about a king, um, Jehos- Jehoshaphat, and his prayer and his attitude, and ours needs to be the same. Because he's up against impossible circumstances that cannot be overcome, and he knows it, and he does what all of us sh- should be doing, which is fast and pray and seek God and it's a, it's a great story. So let's just uh, end the podcast by checking this out. So Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20. And it came to pass, after this also, that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and, and with them beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. So all these kingdoms that surround Israel decided to unite and come against to destroy them off the face of the earth. Okay, that's what's going on here. And it's very, very severe. The The odds are overwhelmingly, ridiculously in the favor of the enemy. 
Kind of like it seems today, right? It's like all the authority, all the cards, all the powers in their hands, and it's like, what can we do? Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria, and behold, they be in Hazan Tamar, which is in which is in Gadi. And Jehoshaphat feared, and he set himself to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Let's acknowledge the first thing that Jehoshaphat does. He hears this news, it's very frightening news, and with good reason. And the first thing he says is, I'm, you know, he sets himself to seek the Lord, and he proclaims a fast. Okay? This is just, what an amazing leader. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So the people gathered from all over the place. They filled the house of God. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem and in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, and then here's his prayer. O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou the God in heaven? And rulest not thou over the kingdoms of heaven? Or, I'm sorry, over all the kingdoms of the heathen? He's saying, are you not the God of heaven? Are you not the one in control of all these things? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Are not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? He's reminding God of his promises, right? And they dwelt therein, and they have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If, when evil come upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and we cry unto thee in our affliction, and then thou will hear and help. So say, no matter what, right? History has shown that whenever these terrible things come against us, whether it's be war, right? Evil judgment, pestilence, plague, right? Pandemic or famine. We stand before this place and we cry and you help us. Verse 10. And now behold, so now he's about to tell God what the problem is. The children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say how they have rewarded us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. Our God, will thou not judge them? We may be asking that question right now, right? Look at what they're doing, Lord. Look at all the deception and the lying and the just blatant evil that they do right in front of our faces. Look what they're doing to us and to our children and to the people around the world and to the poor and to the fatherless. Will you not judge them? We not stand up for your people? Let's continue on. For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. That's the part that just really stuck with me after listening to that sermon over the weekend. Jehoshaphat saying, look, the, the, the odds are overwhelmingly against us. There's, he, he, he says, there's, there's actually nothing that we can do. In fact, we don't even know what to do about this. 
but our eyes are on you. That needs to be our attitude this morning, doesn't it? We don't know what to do about all this, right? We have all this election fraud and nonsense going on. We have the, the, you know, the virus nonsense going on. Everything's being destroyed and taken over and just all the deception, all this evil is just overwhelming. It seems like it's coming from every side, every aspect of culture, every aspect of government. And it's, there's, and it's everywhere. It's not just the United States. It's everywhere on planet Earth right now. And it's like, God, are you going to do anything about this? Do you not see your people? We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Verse 13, And all Judas stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Now, here's the answer that comes from God. If we skip down to verse 15, Thus saith the Lord unto you. Here's God's response. Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. So God says, do not worry about this. Do not be afraid about all this. This battle is not yours. In fact, it's mine. And then he says, just be still. Just chill out, right? Calm down. And see the salvation of the Lord. Saying, just take take a step back for a second. You said your eyes are upon me. Now watch what I will do. You won't even need to fight because I am going to take care of this. And the story goes on and basically what happens is those kingdoms that are coming to destroy Israel end up killing each other. You see, they fall into their own snare, fall into their own trap. All the evil they had planned for God's people ended up coming upon themselves. You see, we have a lot of these factions going on in the world right now. And, and they're all evil. And they're all clamoring. And maybe, just maybe, what will happen is if we just keep our eyes on God and we just take it. If we just chill out and calm down and continue to pray and continue to fast and continue to seek the Lord's face and keep our eyes on Him and stop being afraid and we just wait for the salvation of the Lord, they may just fall into their own traps. They may just devour themselves. Just a beautiful story. But the important thing is, is it wasn't like they did nothing, right? The Jehoshaphat set his face to seek the Lord. That is the thing that he did do. And then he obeyed God's command. They went down and kept quiet like they, like they were told. And they found 
these armies just decimated, where they have killed themselves, where they had fought each other and destroyed themselves. They fasted, they prayed, they went to the house of God, and they set their eyes upon God. They believed, they had faith that he would hear their prayers and rescue them. That was, that was Jehoshaphat's first response. First thing he does, he hears the news, and he says, okay, and he ordains a fast throughout the land and seeks God. That shouldn't always be our response. Not Our first response shouldn't be to be afraid, to be weak, but to seek God and say, hey, this is what's going on. Remember your promises. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That is the podcast for this morning. I pray you've been blessed. I pray you've been encouraged and strengthened and inspired. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting this work. Thank you for your prayers. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.